Welcome to another episode of Table Talk Podcast. This is your host, Cameron. As always, I have our other co-host, Christian, our good friend, small one here with us tonight. (laughs) We also have someone joining us for the first time. We have one of our really good friends, Jacob, who's in our D&D group, joining us for the evening. And we have a new topic we're going to start this evening. We're calling this the first in our series called How to Run For. Um, Tonight we're going to be discussing and talking about how to best run for a tactical player. Jacob is kind of the perfect model of this type of player in our D&D group. And so we thought he would have a lot of insight to this topic and we wanted to have him join. So Jacob, if you want to take a quick second and introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, Hi, my name is Jacob and I play D&D with Cameron and Christian here, or small one as we often call him. Oh no. (laughs) i guess as we've done this in the past we kind of just keep this more or less an open forum so tonight some of the things we're going to touch on would be a couple of different viewpoints we want to focus on for the the dungeon masters for the game masters out there how to best engage tactical players maybe some different ideas for challenges and encounters that you can run that can really help kind of grab your tactical players attentions and draw them heavily into the game Uh, We want to obviously focus um, from the player standpoint themselves, some different things that, like in Jacob's case, things that he's enjoyed, uh, maybe some suggestions he might have as to how to engage someone like himself, things like that, as well as just other players' viewpoints. So how to play with a tactical player, things like that. We're going to go ahead and keep this kind of open forum. If anyone has anything they want to kind of see us off here. So one of the first things I want to ask you, Jacob, is... Just how would you, I guess, describe your playing style since you are kind of our model uh, tactical player? Just give a quick synopsis, I guess, of what you think you play like. Well, I very much like the, uh, yeah, the, the strategy of the game. I like being able to look for weaknesses uh, in the enemies and not necessarily min-max my own character, but but it's fun to take advantage of opportunities yeah it's uh i don't know how to describe it i guess but (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's a good way to put it just being able to see that each each encounter that we come across is either regardless of if it's something where there's little combat or whether it's combat heavy but knowing that it's a challenge and then i think i would say it's it almost seems like it's you're very analytical so Jacob's an engineer by by profession, and so that kind of maybe goes hand in hand with that. But just kind of identifying the what the challenge itself is and looking at it from different angles to figure out like the best way to to overcome the challenge. Then I think the big thing he does, especially, is he he thinks about a problem a lot more than anyone else would. <laughs> I think sure. a role player automatically jumps in and tries to figure out how to talk the way out of it. A hack and slash kind of like warrior type i think automatically they're gonna they're gonna do a little bit of tactical but most of the time i feel like it's just they're kind of you know they're the tank they're just gonna run in there and see what happens from there so i really think that the tactical player is kind of like the general of a battle if you want to give an analogy just a kind of like the leader of the group in some ways because they're the mastermind behind coming up with a plan to counteract whatever is going on you know, you can always, I think, look to them to give some type of subtle, should I do this? Should I not? <laughs> I know especially my <laughs> player does that often. 
<laughs> I ask the voice of reason that is Jacob sometimes um, <laughs> because he he actually thinks through his decisions before he makes them. Um, so I think that's a definite definite part of uh, his player profile in general. Yeah, and the uh, I mean that actually it's it's kind of funny because. There was never, so we've been playing, as we've kind of discussed a little bit, we've been playing the same campaign for over three years now. We've had, obviously, different characters come and go throughout the game, but or whatever, but of the original, like, group that started three years ago, uh, it was it was Jacob's ca- original character and then Christian's current character that were still the only two kind of main guys around, and so there was never really a specific moment where, like, our party kind of thought like hey we're gonna vote on who our leader is going to be but it was almost just kind of like a unanimous thing that over time like jacob's character just kind of became like the leader of our our group the forgotten ones i think a lot of it just comes back to like what christian said that like thinking tactically is a lot of times what helps you stay alive and make it out of tough situations or whatever and kind of like the like he said the battlefield commander and so I think that's why he survived so long, too, in such tough campaigns with, you know, everyone else but uh, the wuss that was my character and him surviving. <laughs> that's the only reason that he survived, I think, is because he was so tactical in how he played. So I would ask um, Cameron, actually, from a DM standpoint, what do you specifically like to do with, you know, puzzles, encounters, challenges in general? What do you like to throw at a tactical player just to involve them or get them to kind of interact you know interact in uh, in new ways one of the big things is knowing that like christian kind of touched on a little bit there's there's other player types out there and like the hack and slasher it's you just throw bigger beefier combat and they're going to be happy and, and good to go but with mm-hmm. the tactical player i feel like you the best way i have found to challenge the that sort of a player is to just do something that's going to just kind of be out of left field. I feel like a lot of it is more you can make the party have to think outside of the box. Generally, the more it has always seemed that that I could count on Jacob being more engaged as a player. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, whether that means legitimate tactics where maybe the party's being attacked and it just seems like a pretty straightforward combat, the party versus the enemy, and then suddenly out of nowhere reinforcements come from different directions and now the party's flanked and just putting them in a situation like that where they have to think strategically on how to to make the most of a bad situation. But other stuff too, though, is I've also tried to look at it as far as thinking more of like a like a third dimension type of thing. So where obviously we're normally playing on the 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 terrain setup that Dylan makes, and we have the grid system to show where the the party is at and where the enemy is at. There's been a couple of instances of encounters that I've ran where I've also tried to add like depth to it. So we had one, for instance. I don't remember if we've shared this this story already or not, but in one of the earlier ones that I kind of a, a one shot that I ran to help cover for Dylan at a time, the party was underwater, and there was a situation where they were finding themselves probably level two or three, so not super strong, but but starting to kind of get some of their abilities or whatever. And 
being underwater and finding themselves suddenly attacked by some kuatoa they were they they were limited by how long they could hold their breath for so that was that was a, already something that they had to kind of additionally keep in mind that's not a normal combat but what i did was i had i made kind of like a raised platform that was above the water and so they had an area that they could swim up to 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 get air but then as they started naturally doing that then i had situated around this raised kind of tower type of thing these different like geysers of water that were shooting up little smaller platforms and then Every turn then of the four, some would go up and some would go down. And so the enemy was able to use this to kind of propel themselves up faster towards the party and maybe catch them unaware. The party was then able to use these moving platforms up and down to kind of get back and forth to um, different parts and stuff. It was definitely a very early prototype type of idea. Like it was it was pretty rough around the edges, but it it was something that it made me just kind of it almost like it was it clicked with me that like there's other like there's, there's deeper things to what you can do with things like this and so mm-hmm. i think is definitely something i would share is to make the players think outside of the box and then to think of think of it as in more of than just the x y axis but also the z axis of making things go up and down ooh math terms <laughs> i like it <laughs> And that's definitely something that that stood out for me too. When I think back to a lot of my favorite moments in battles, it's it's always when I have uh, when there's something different going on. Like when I when I have the high ground, if if there's a balcony that I could be up on and sniping down, or the cliffs that you know you can jump up on some rocks and maybe you have a better vantage point. And I, I do remember the the geysers from. From what you were talking about, Cameron, and that was a lot of fun. Why don't you explain a little bit about the so having played a long-standing character? Then, like, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you played as? So I played as Talion, who was an elf ranger, and based uh, pretty much completely around uh, archery. Every feat I took and every item I had was pretty much based around. Uh, an archer and eventually he took a level of druid and then between that and his ranger classes was able to have an animal companion and it became a uh, owl bear that he raised from an egg that we found that was something too that maybe you could elaborate a little bit on that so obviously like you said being focused primarily on range and then the different 3.5 feats that all kind of stack really nicely together to give you advantages and bonuses and stuff for certain conditions but then also having a, an animal companion that i think added a whole other layer of depth to that if you want to add anything along that idea uh yeah sure yeah he i gave telling a whole lot of feats that uh based around archery he had the the standard ones the point blank and the rapid shot that gave him the extra attack. And but then he ended up taking some more, you know, in-depth ones. I, he had one that was called precise shot. I let him take a shot uh, at an engaged enemy without taking a penalty, which was nice. So another way that I could use that to help my teammates that are in the middle of combat when I'm, you know, back on the, uh, the like I said before, back up on the ledge, just watching and waiting, just another way I can help the team. But then the owl bear that I had, my animal companion, was very much not range. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was nice. And and when the the fight found its way to me, I had a 
animal companion that was there to protect me. He was trained to protect and guard and had some, some big hits and some crazy strength. And that was a lot of fun. Can you talk to me about the first thing you normally did when you got into a challenge or an encounter? Like, for example, straight up, you're just thrown into an encounter. What do you do immediately as a strategist? Because I think everyone automatically is going to scan the field and try and figure out what's going on. But I think there's a little bit different, I guess, like angle that I feel like sometimes the tactical tactical player always seems to do. And I just wanted to know if you uh, felt similar about that or if you had anything that jumped to mind. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess the first thing that would come to my mind is I would see what we're up against, see what items and spells and equipment that I currently still have available to me. Look at look at all of my options and compare those to what we're up against and see uh, see what all I have available. No, that's that's similar to what I was thinking. You always seem to immediately take stock of the situation and then you try and come up kind of like not backtrack but you always have like a broad to specific view you always start off broad looking at the field uh looking at your own items looking at your i think you automatically think of everyone else too which is something that a lot of times players that are hack and slash or role play automatically may not involve the party in every decision they make because they're very almost like not one-dimensional but they do what they do to help the party and that's it but I feel, feel like as the tactical player or the, um, if you want to call it the strategist or commander of the, of the group, you automatically have a responsibility to keep in mind everyone's abilities and items. I think you have done a really good job at remembering, you know, small items or tidbits of information that somebody has collected or somebody has that you, they can use for the good of the group. And you always seem to be, I'd say the majority of the time it was you who would bring that to light or remember that kind of stuff. I Yeah, you're right. I, I like to to look at all of our options and not just mine, but the parties in general. And the, the combat's always been a lot of fun for me because it's always, it's, it's black or white. We either win or we lose. There's no, uh, with role playing, you know, obviously you can succeed, but not fully. But in, in combat, you pretty much, you you win or you lose and it's, yeah, I always try to look for the straightforward path to to the victory. Yeah, that's a good. I mean, there's. I'm sure anybody in our group could think of like numerous examples, but it wouldn't be uncommon at all for us to, because a lot of times the the combat. Dylan's really good at when he when he designs combat that it's generally not always what it seems like, and so mm-hmm. we might we might run headlong into the clearing to take on the the small little band of goblins and then as we do so then trolls pop up from out of the and now we're surrounded and so but yeah something i feel like that you embodied really well too is like to kind of add to what christian was saying just situations of saying like okay if if we have if Corey and connor can focus on this guy over here i can get kuma moved to this side to help christian be covered and then i can work around getting onto the other side to start flanking this guy just knowing so you it's it's almost like whereas like a, a hack and slasher or like a war gamer is thinking of like on this specific turn what can i be doing and it's like you're thinking two or three turns in advance knowing that moving taking two move actions now is going to mean i lose an attack but i'm going to be better in position for this so that i can have kuma come over here to give me a flank bonus and just things like that where just looking at the mechanics of the game as like one step further to find a, the best way to 
gain advantage and to to be more to have better damage output things like that yeah yeah absolutely i even had some of my spells i think they were ranger spells that were useless for this turn but gave me a bonus on my next turn or the one after or whatever and those were always really fun for me to use because it yeah it, it took planning and when's the best time to use this when will it give me the the best advantage yeah that's a good point and i think too you did a lot of battlefield control like like again going back to what christian the analogy he used of being kind of like the general on the battlefield and like aside from just kind of giving suggestions of strategizing with the players but even some of the spells you focused on were like specific to controlling the battlefield like the i think was it impeding stone was one that you used quite a bit that the 3.5 spell that makes basically just a huge area of the of like stone that just kind of starts rippling and waving and anyone trying to walk through that then can only go at like half speed and they're more they're more likely to get knocked prone and like that was huge and then the plant one i'm blanking on the name off the top of my head entangle Yes. Entangle. Yep. That was a. I remember <laughs> early, very early on, yeah, running yeah. my first, one of my first kind of like one shots, and it was like a three part deal, and getting to kind of like the the mini boss of the story, and thinking how the it's going to go one way, and then right off the bat, Talion casts Entangle, and now every single bad guy that I had planned is just barely able to trudge along now as they just start getting picked off, and <laughs> just. Yeah, just things like that where like that's not a, a very high level spell and it's it has like zero damage output, but the fact that it like completely put the brakes on the the encounter and the combat and that was yeah, something that was really kind of cool to watch too. Yeah. I think it's important to note too, as even as the commander or the strategist of the entire group, I loved how your leadership was very it was very like I guess, reserved in some ways. You weren't boastfully, you know, telling people anything what to do. You were very laid back as a leader to where you would watch the situation, give suggestions, counteract, move the pieces around, set things up. But you were very fluid and flexible with the plan and that it wasn't just you coming up with the entire idea. You would just often propose certain aspects that would completely change our plan and make it better. And it seemed like you know, even if you weren't boastfully, you know, a loud talker or the most, I guess, talkative in the group, it still was your strategy and your, you know, the background, the overall view that that you kind of brought to it that helped bring us closer to a victory in every encounter. So I love that the leadership was not outright. It was more of a, um, like, reserved kind of lead by example kind of thing. Well, that's good. I, I'm I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I well, there's side Jacob. You were just you're just completely horrible. Worst leader yeah. ever. Obviously, yep. I get it a lot. <laughs> uh, there's a term in in board gaming, especially. I, I play a lot of board games, and a lot of what I really enjoy are cooperative ones. Mm-hmm. And there's a term in there called alpha gaming, where it's just somebody who's just pretty much just running the game by himself and just telling the other players what to do for the most optimum strategy. And that's, that's not fun to be a part of. And uh, so I, even if someone else is making a, a suboptimal move, 
Um, <laughs> AKA me. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but yes, you. <laughs> but as long as it's not super detrimental to, to us or the party or, or someone else's plan, then, then yeah, I mean, you do you. I, I'm happy to give suggestions on what I think you should do. But, uh, but yeah, I, don't, I never want to be forceful. I'm just thinking of all the times that I've asked you if I should do something, and you just kind of looked at me with a sad expression in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> just kind of gave me a it, it was just a nice push in the right direction. Norm most of the time I would listen to it, but <laughs> I just can think so vividly. You could do that. Or <laughs> you could blow up an entire tower, but <laughs> I think something else interesting to maybe elaborate on too is that just like, and obviously this, this, a lot of it was going to vary by alignment and how people choose to play their characters and stuff. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, like the part of the tactician is like, you're looking at the, the overall like benefit of the group more so than yourself. And so like, for instance, if it, it might not be as, it's, it's, it might not be risk averse for him to send his animal companion or to send himself into a certain position, but knowing that by doing so, he's going to be granted some sort of a boon or some sort of advantage on an attack or bonus damage output just to be able to, or better position for the next turn and just like still taking that chance knowing that this is going to be for the good of the group or whatever but building off of that point though i think something that's that's worth sharing and in the last over three years of us playing easily one of the the like most memorable moments in my mind is when not too long ago when we were playing um it was actually his last session playing as talion as that character after literally three years of playing as him and taking him from level one up to level 10. And we were finding ourselves in a very bad situation where we were being attacked basically from all sides and we were locked outside of a city. Big bad evil guy essentially was was coming right at us and seeing it was a, a, a resurrected previous villain we had fought and killed. But once it was quickly established that this this mind flayer that shouldn't be alive, but is somehow living recognized Jacob's character and recognized Christian's character as the only two members that were still around from back when he was killed by our party. We were, the odds were already so terribly against us. And Jacob's natural reaction was just to, to start turning and and running in a different direction, not to avoid the, the fight, but so that he was trying to draw the aggro so that that it would, it would mean that maybe the party would have a better chance of not getting annihilated. And it ultimately ended up in being the, the end of his character as the mind flayer caught up with him and then plane shifted him out of there and ended up killing him when he was stranded on his own then. And so it was really just, I don't know. It was like, I'm, everybody has probably seen like episodes or like like clips online from like Critical Role or like like professional level D and D where like it's like actual actors and stuff and like moments where like you get goosebumps and stuff. But like it was it was literally like I was like I it was I don't know it was like moving just the fact that like like I don't know it was just Cameron openly wept. 
<laughs> I saw it. <laughs> it's just weird because like like we obviously sit at this table knowing that we're we're just playing with fake characters and we're playing a fake story and but like it just it all at that point it just all felt so real and just this character that we had played with and fought alongside and had just like had as our leader and then the fact that he like he sacrificed himself to try and better the chances of us trying to make it out of the situation was really was really kind of a cool like perfect yeah. embodiment of like a tactical style play so kudos to you well thank you <laughs> He had to draw the aggro so I could blow up the tower. Let's be honest. Yeah, that was the the long game. That was. <laughs> <The> yeah. <laughs> you knew if you told me not to do it, I would just end up doing it. So you were just using yep. my psychology there. Oh boy, I sure hope nobody blows up this tower. <laughs> Don't forget that boomstick you have. Gosh. Okay, so Jacob, I was wondering actually, from a DM standpoint, what should they avoid? For this type of player, what should they not put into a encounter, um, or what what's something that gets tiresome if you're a tactical player and you see it over and over again, and you want something fresh? Is it is it just like monotony, like the same encounter over and over again? Does it excite you, or what should they do to avoid, I guess, like a tactical player style losing interest? Well, that's a good question. I guess I don't really have a good answer. All of our DMs have done a really good job of of keeping things fresh and mixing up ideas and I'll suck up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it's it, like Cameron was saying it, he, he did a good job of, of mixing in that, that third dimension and all of our encounters are almost always something new and fresh and different. There's always some kind of twist on something. It's not just, you know, a bunch of orcs pop up and we kill them all and move on. It's, there's always, something that keeps it interesting so we, we can still bash dylan he's not here don't worry oh yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> no i mean that's a good point i was just thinking off the top of my head that not nothing that the dms have done but something i think that would something they want to avoid is maybe just in general do you think that long stretches of only combat or only role playing maybe would uh kind of get a monotony of some sorts for you because i know that for a role player like myself, the biggest thing is not having any role playing or only having combat like that. Only like having a one-sided campaign of sorts can get really annoying or would really be something that would make me lose interest. Is that something that a tactical player, since they're kind of both a role player and a um, hack and slash kind of player? Yeah, absolutely. A good balance of role playing and combat is is I think essential to a fun game. So. That's a good point too, Christian. Because I guess when we were discussing, I guess like as from a DM standpoint, something that I would recommend, and I my mind immediately went to combat, just thinking that uh, that that would be something that would be like the main thing to focus on. But now that you say that, though, th that's a really good point. Just not to not to limit it to combat, because if you think about it, there's been a lot of really memorable instances where we were in more of a role play encounter or like a role play session a role play heavy session and it ended up being that there were tactical advantages to figuring out how to discuss this circumstance with this npc in a way that we can either intimidate them into doing something different than they maybe want to do or try and diplomatically handle a situation and just how um 
there's a lot of different uh, Dylan's introduced a lot of different factions and groups into our games yeah. and so there's been instances of I, I feel like of Talion and Jacob like saying okay well if if we can if we can persuade this faction to see things our way and maybe side with us we'll have a better chance of enlisting them for allies towards this other end game that we're going into or this other challenge that we know is on the horizon and so yeah i i think that's a really good point that having that same type of tactical mindset can obviously correlate right into the role play and the the political intrigue and the factions and things like that too especially um the immediately what came to mind for me not just those factions or uh, obvious role-playing instances but also just puzzles and the other type of i guess non-combat but also still life-threatening encounters that we often find ourselves in that's a really good point and i know dylan has in a, a previous episode dylan had touched on one thing that he did before and that was the campaign where we were playing through and we were slowly finding these Okay, these old school runes that no one was able to translate, but just by us finding two here and three there, we were slowly kind of getting like pieces to the puzzle that then several sessions later, as we, we found basically what was a riddle that was carved into part of the wall. And uh, I just remember us all like taking these, these symbols that we thought we had decoded and then trying to, fill in the words that we didn't or the fill it use those to fill in the letters that we didn't have to try and decode the riddle to to make it out alive and that was an interesting thing and i feel like that was something jacob really thrived at too yeah i remember that too that was a lot of fun do you think there's anything you immediately try and do when you see a puzzle or a situation like that where it is more of a um, non-combat but still life-threatening encounter of sorts do you do you have anything you automatically uh notice that you kind of like immediately would recommend you know other players thinking of doing or just stuff that you like to do as an engineer too i feel like you have a lot of insight into you know figuring out these puzzles and these intricate you know decoding things just in general just puzzles and encounters like that in general, you seem to have a real knack for. So is there anything that you can share to maybe help somebody who's trying to be more tactical or just give them ideas? Well, I don't know if I have any, I don't know. I, I've always been a big fan of riddles and puzzles. I guess uh, the big thing I would recommend would be trying to keep an eye out or an ear out for the keywords of a, of a riddle or a puzzle. A lot of times there's a lot of extra fluff put in for, uh, you know, poetry and, and to make it sound nice. But if you can dig through and find the, the key words that you're, you know, actually mean something, that's the biggest part is, is determining what you need to be looking at versus what you're being told. So, so you like to block out the white noise and really look at the key, key challenge in front of you and work it from there. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So as my character is a role player, something I've really noticed with a tactical player playing with other, you know, tactical players or just strategist in general, I think the big thing is to really, I guess, listen to their advice and try and view the world that they do. I think a lot of times there's some disconnect between role players or hack and slash players that are just uh 
they they see the world in such different ways that from a tactical player i think that sometimes it's really tough to cohesively make agreements or see puzzles in the, a lot of ways because i know i i was struggling so bad with the last puzzle we had i was i just gave up halfway through i was like okay i'm, I'm done like <laughs> you know what it's all you jacob like it was just uh I, I just gave up, honestly. But I, I think the major thing is, if you're one of those other players, if you're dealing with a tactical player, is to really try and learn to view the world and they do. Because I am not an engineer. I am not, you know, I, I'm in uh, pre-health right now at Ohio State. But I am. I have never taken, you know, a uh, engineering class. I took my AP calculus in high school, never had to take a college math class. You know, I, I'm not that kind of math, you know, analytical kind of person. So a lot of times I think it's important for me to try and slowly, you know, leech some of that analytical side from Jacob and learn how to not min-max, but learn how to optimize the situation with your character. And sometimes as a role player, you just kind of go for whatever looks cool or you know sounds like a cool story later on and uh <laughs> sometimes that's not the best option well and that's a that's a good point too and it's something i i've tried to remind myself to do more often too is is to play as the character rather than the player mm -hmm. so just because i know that this isn't the most optimum you know strategy or idea it doesn't necessarily matter because is it something my character would do and that's it's it's hard for me to to make that disconnect, but I, it's something I've I've tried to become more aware of, and it's something that you and some of the other players are really good at. Being, <laughs> well, being okay. able to almost dying. <laughs> no, you're good at immersing yourself into your character and thinking yeah. as your character. And I've I'm definitely more of like you said, the analytical. I I think as a player more than my character, and it's it's something I've tried to to be aware of and, and get better at. That's a really good point too, that I would want uh, to kind of highlight you saying that um, a lot of times the kind of stereotypical like phrase that you, or situation that you, you kind of hear when people say, that's what my character would do. That's usually what, what people are saying when they're trying to justify themselves, like, basically being a jerk or whatever mm -hmm. so like when it's like oh well i'm a thief and so i'm gonna steal from all my buddies because that's what my character would do and so that's always I've, every time i hear people online talk about that phrase it's them always saying like that's a bad like mentality to have but w the way you just described it is like the perfect way though like if if you're playing a character that is completely new to this region that we're in then then it wouldn't make sense for you to just magically know all sorts of information about this area and so maybe you intentionally don't make a a certain knowledge check because it doesn't make sense for you to have that knowledge or like a, a character that has very low and like wisdom like it then you you're not maybe you're intentionally not coming up with like really wild ideas because it just wouldn't make sense thematically for your character to have thought of those like conclusions or whatever and so i think that's a really a really big thing worth pointing out that doing as your character would do is is a valid mentality to have when you're you're separating like he said that was really good you're separating you're playing as your character you're not playing as your as you as the player and so it's worth noting too
when you're always trying to optimize or strategize, sometimes it's tough, I bet, to kind of purposefully, you know, debuff yourself in some ways yeah. and take yep. that, take a step towards a loss, even though, you know, you know that your character would do that. It's just tough sometimes to make that that step towards something that it maybe is not optimized in the best you know situation for you or the group yeah yeah absolutely something else too to not to backtrack too much here but going off of what christian had said prior about as a player playing with a tactical player some things Mm -hmm. to keep in mind we touched on it a little bit when we talked about how to be a better player and the the one of the things i had mentioned at that episode was that you as a player having fun can't come at the trade-off of another player not having fun. And so I think something big to keep in mind is that because everybody has different play styles. So maybe, maybe for me as a player, maybe I'm not very tactical, but that doesn't mean in a situation then where we have an opportunity for our tactical player to be in the spotlight that I should try and hurry him up making a decision just because it means that it gets to my turn quicker. Just like if, if you were a player that likes to just run in and smash stuff with your hammer or whatever that we wouldn't be like, Oh, there's a combat encounter. Oh, let's, let's try and have our role player talk us out of this so that we don't have to fight because you're, you're kind of stealing that, that juice that, that, that hack and slasher is looking for. So I think that'd be something big to, to kind of send off as like a takeaway that, Playing with a tactical player means that even if you're not tactical, you need to let them be tactical and let them have their moment. Well, we are coming up towards the end of our session here. Do you guys have any last minute thoughts that you want to kind of drive home as a major takeaway from tonight? So I think the biggest takeaway I can give just from uh, another player's perspective who isn't a strategist is just to try and even if you're not this tactical player try to learn to get better at being tactical and strategizing and thinking collectively as a group and not just going in by yourself or thinking only of what your you know what your character would do to harm the group in many instances always think of i guess uh how to keep the players around you and the their player characters too, all kind of cohesively as a group, because it's at the end of the day, it is a um, it's a game, and you know we need to be cohesive in what you do, and you need to be a group overall. So I think just trying to get in a more self a selfless uh, perspective and more of a strategist to help others succeed would be my main takeaway. Yeah, that's really good. Do you have anything you want to add, Jacob? No, not really. I I guess the to to reiterate on what I had said before was if you are a tactical player, to do to try to separate yourself from character and player. So if if it's something that you think your character would do, that's it doesn't necessarily have to be the most uh, tactical decision you can make. But if it's something your character would genuinely do, then you should try to break away from the the tactical line of thought and and because it it's the it's the big thing that separates D and D from a board game. Board games, you know, you win or you lose, and there there really isn't any extra thought like this. But it, the whole point of a role playing is you are playing a character, 
Um, so it's just something to keep in mind. That's a really good point. That's a good takeaway. All right. Well, as we normally do, Jacob, you might have heard we normally will have a little bit of a sign-off here. Um, so do you want to start us out, Christian? Yeah. So my sign-off tonight is Christian's my name and strategy is not my game. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have anything for us, Jacob? Uh, so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> this is Cameron with Table Talk and... As I've said before, my only vice is rolling dice. So I want to thank Jacob, obviously, for joining in tonight. It was a lot of fun. We'd been trying on numerous occasions to get him on the podcast. And so the the stars lined up tonight, (laughs) and it was finally in the cards. And so I was really pumped to hear that um, he was going to be joining us this evening. And I'm sure you guys will be hearing more from him. We've got all sorts of other stuff we want to have him back for. So thank you again for joining us, though joining us on table talk like we said this is the first of our new series how to run for there are other play styles out there and we have other players that fit those styles that we'll be having on to talk about how they like D. and so until next time keep on rolling those dice i'm not gonna name names but yes you <laughs> i'm just thinking of all the times that i've asked you if I should do something. And you just kind of looked at me with a sad expression in your eyes. Table Talk's theme music, Rhino's Theme, is brought to you by Kevin McLeod under the Creative Commons license. Please see the show notes for more details.